many times have you celebrated your 39th birthday? When age 50 creeps up on us, we deny it, hide it, and do everything we can to ignore each birthday that comes after. But why? Let's celebrate our voices of experience. Whether you're passing 50, passing 60, or approaching another decade, we've got great discussions and guests to help you embrace every year you've got under your belt. If you're passing 50 or more, pull up a chair. We've got something just for you. Now, here's your host, Robin Boyd. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Passing 50. We're going to have a great discussion today. We are here to embrace our experiences and propel ourselves to move forward to enjoy all that life has ahead of us. Well, many of us at this stage in our lives may fit into a category labeled as the sandwich generation. The phrase sandwich generation, I think, was aptly coined because it describes those of us who, at middle age, find ourselves with the responsibility for caring not only, say, for uh, a dependent child, but an elder parent uh, as well. Now, if you're living your life in the middle of that sandwich, you're not alone. According to uh, an AARP, uh, American, uh, excuse me, association, you know who I mean, AARP, what's their acronym? American Association of Retired Persons. They're uh, estimating about 44% of adults between the ages of 44 and 55 still having at least one child under the age of 21, which actually is, is quite different from say generations in the past and still having at least one living parent because, uh, most people are living longer nowadays. There are many people who are starting their work careers a little bit later. They still have children at home and, uh, with great health resources that we have, many people are living much later. Um, and then in uh, in those the same statistics, about one in seven middle-aged adults, that means about 55, I mean 15% are still providing financial support to a child while also providing financial support to an aging parent. So there's a lot to share with this. There are a lot of things that are uh, impacting us. This is in, uh, impacting a big demographic. So we want to talk about it today. And today I have my dear friend uh, as our guest today. Not only do we collaborate on a professional level, such as our other show, Military Mom Talk Radio, right here uh, on this network, and my work with her companies. I've helped work with her on, um, with her company, Military, um, excuse me, <laughs> Motherhood Incorporated. <laughs> yeah, I know. How often do we do it, San? And Beck Multimedia. But we share in our personal experience as well. Because both of us have been in this sandwich generation. Sandra Beck, this is such a treat to have you here today. Thank you for being with me and welcome to Passing 50. I'm so happy to be here because so many people fall into my category. I live on a mile long canyon. There's four of us that are multi-generational households. Yes, yes, it is. And as you, when you start to just put into Google, 
sandwich generation, there are a lot of statistics, there are a lot of resources, and there are, this is not uncommon. I mean, you think about the farming communities in every generation, there was always, the grandma is always there, you look at the Waltons, and of course they all lived together because they shared in the duties of, of the family, but more than just, uh, duties in the family, we're also talking about necessity. And uh, we've been such an independent society for so long, all of a sudden we're realizing that combining resources, combining support is more and more of a necessity than it is just um, uh, being home on the farm kind of a thing. Well, and I think income has a big deal to do with it and the cutbacks and the, you know, inflation that we've seen, especially, you know, within um, both military and civilian families. I know my civilian fire and first responder families in the neighborhood, you know, their hours have been cut back, their benefits cost more, and their, um, you know, their out-of-pocket money available to pay for things is less. And, you know, our military families are getting hit as well. But so when you still have a mortgage to pay and a car pay, payment and you know you've got an elderly parent and you're looking at two sets of heat two sets of water two sets of gas you know two sets of electric it's not feasible uh for a lot of people and then families are also spread out more these days so it's easier to move mom and dad in with you than it is to provide a caregiver or the expense of a caregiver when the parents in another state it's true. And, and there are many, re- you're right. There's so many reasons why we might find ourselves in this. Sometimes it is just because of an economic decision. Sometimes it may be one uh, parent has lost uh, their spouse and they're alone and finding it difficult to find purpose. Sometimes it's due to illness or injury. Uh, in my case, my mom had a stroke. We needed to provide care for her because, like you say, it was a lot easier for us to be there um, instead of hiring out because we just did not fit into that category to to qualify for a home health aid at the time. And then sometimes when you start to realize the the grandma or grandpa are just starting to have cognitive decline and it becomes a safety issue well it's a safety issue and it's a it's also a, a you know there's only so much bandwidth that the 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 lunch meat has like i call myself the lunch meat i'm in the sandwich generation i got bread above me with my dad yeah. i've got bread below me with my kids and it's like you know for me you know when i heard that statistic about like you know kids under you know 21 i'm like how about kids under 15 how about kids under 10 yeah. you know <laughs> that's yeah. a really real philosophy and i've got you know what my household ran literally one year from eight to eighty and so you know you look at these things and go if you're the lunch meat if you're the one in the middle you know you're not an inexhaustible resource you get the same 24 hours a day that everybody else gets and many many of us in the sandwich generation we also work full-time so you know when you've got needs below you needs above you then you've got needs in front of you and then somewhere in the mix you have your own needs but we all only get that same 24 hours in the day yeah, and it is tough. And that's, that's why I'm, I'm so glad that not only are there more resources, but we can reach out to each other and offer that kind of support. Now, how long have you had your dad with you? 
Uh, it'll be five years now. It is, yeah. Now, you're fortunate in that you do have Sibs uh, be- because he lives in New York. You live in California. This is a real orchestration to get him out to you, stay with you for a while, then back and coordinate what his needs are back in New York. Well, and that's, you know, the weather plays a big part of it. You know, when you're elderly, you know, there's slip and slide with the ice. There's Mm -hmm. getting services in a snowstorm. You know, there's power outages. And, you know, when you're 83, you're not going to go chop down a tree and stock your fire for wood if your generator kicks out. So Mm -hmm. we made the decision, my oldest brother and I, as a family, to have my dad with me, uh, like October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May. By May, the thaw is pretty good and you know Mm -hmm. october starts getting cold and icy so um and then he goes home and he lives in his uh, my childhood home during the months that that are not weather inclement that my brother and sister-in-law can go over and help them but you know i've got other brothers and sisters that are in different parts of the country and like my nasa brother his lifestyle is not conducive to have somebody live with him he's in germany he's in you know utah he's in australia you know he could be anywhere in the world and then Mm -hmm. my sister's house is not really designed to have another person so you know it's 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 a it's a there's a whole bunch of factors that come into you know which sibling is the best sibling or the best place and in my case since I have two little kids my dad is a great help for making breakfast you know folding laundry putting clothes away I mean there's plenty for him to do here trust me (laughs) <laughs> that is true. Sim, I had a little different circumstance in that I'm an only child and my mother was an only child. So when um, my dad died, mom was uh, a widow enjoying a, a new life, so to speak. Uh, she was finding her place. She was getting used to being alone and all of a sudden had a stroke. So um, her her world just crumbled around her, but it really impacted my life because all of a sudden I, I had to make some serious decisions and being an only child, it all came on my shoulders. I was the only one to, uh, bear that responsibility. And I looked at my husband and I said, what do we do? Um, and it was actually his choice or his suggestion to say, we need to either have your mom come live with us or we need to move in with her. And it was, uh, it was tough because that is a, a difficult decision. You do have to weigh out the options. You do have to look at what um, resources are available. But depending on why someone is in need of that kind of support will um, certainly put a whole different spin on the rest of your life. It really does impact the rest of your life. Well, and it's, you know, it's funny, it's, it impacts it. And people will say all the time, and, you know, we'll share some of these, you know, tips in the coming segments. Um, But, you know, it really is good for the kids. You know, when we were, you know, years ago, it wasn't uncommon for households to be multi-generational and we the kids learn a lot about living history they learn a lot about lifestyle they learn a lot about the greatest generation so you know it's it can be an amazing experience 
it can be. We've got a break coming up, Sandra. So on the other side of the break, I do want to talk a little more about those choices. And I think it does vary state to state as well, because some states do have more social services than others. Uh, I'm in New Hampshire. There are not a lot of social services that are easily available. And, and what are available are very strict and very difficult to apply for. But other states and maybe uh, California probably has a little more to offer. Um, but we'll talk a little bit more about that on the other side of the break. Uh, today we're talking with Sandra Beck, a wonderful, wonderful gal. I, you know, <laughs> Sandra, we have known each other for so long, and I think there are, there are many times that we don't even have an opportunity to talk for an hour like this. So this is no. Really great. <laughs> I know. There's always somebody needs something for sure. I know. There's always a purpose behind the call. So this is great to be able to chat. We'll be right back on Passing 50 after this message, so don't go away. Stay tuned. Stay right where you are. Passing 50 will be right back after these messages. It's marching realize that Twitter is over 10 years old? Twitter was first launched in March of 2006, with the hashtag feature appearing about a year and a half later. Twitter employs more than 2,700 people around the world. Today, there are over 241 million active users on Twitter, with an average of 500 million tweets per day. Now that's a lot of traffic. A lot of new words have been coined from the Twitter app. Uh, Tweetheart is your Twitter boyfriend or girlfriend, and Twitterphoria is the feeling you get when they tweet you back. If you don't want to feel like a twittiot when you tweet, there's a whole list of proper twetiquette available. At first, even I was a bit of a Twitterphobe, but if you want to follow me at Too Funny Carolyn, that would be twittastic. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. A couple of minutes older, a couple of minutes wiser. We're back to a great discussion on Passing 50. A couple of minutes older, a couple of minutes wiser. We're back to a great discussion on Passing 50. Uh, I was waiting for the little intro and I didn't hear it, but that's okay. This is Robin Boyd with you today on Passing 50. And um, I wanted to share something that I wrote a little bit ago. Uh, San, I, I don't know if you had ever read this blog that I had written, but it was way back in like 2012 when uh, my mom was still with us. And uh, one of the the perspectives that I had at the time, um, I was saying that mom was still with us. And that was at that point, 18 years, I had my mother with me for almost 20 years uh, that she lived with us, which, as we were saying before the break, really is in many ways a blessing, something that uh, I'm glad that my children had that experience. But what I was saying at the time was that we did still have mom with us. And in those years, our roles had certainly changed. Here was a vibrant, feisty adult in her day who now was reliant on a wheelchair and depends. Here is a mother whose hand was quick to grab mine when crossing a street and now is holding mine to help her get dressed. Here is a 
woman who defied her own mother to marry my father and now will defy me on occasion because she's not ready for me to lift her off the commode. As my children changed from those little people into independent adults, this woman changed from my authoritarian to my ward. It is so difficult to have this change. They are going through change. We are going through change. In, do you find your father very defiant at times and very resistant to your help? Um, yes, yes. And it'll flare up. It's not consistent. Um, but there will be, I find that in periods of high emotion, like if we're around the holidays, if we're around my mom's birthday, if we're around their wedding anniversary, certain things cause periods of high emotion. Uh, his best friend died last year, passed away, um, Colonel Klein and he, you know, wonderful man. And, uh, so in periods of high emotion, I see some reverting back to stubbornness. And, you know, God bless my father. He's a stubborn old German on a good day. But what I do find is that if the change is introduced slower rather than faster and there's warning, like, and it's so funny because, you know, when your kids are little, Rob, you say, okay, you're going to have to clean up your toys in 15 minutes. Okay, 10 minutes and the toys are going away and we're going to leave for the library. Okay, five minutes, we're going to leave for the library. Let's put our toys away and find our shoes. Okay, we're going to go to the car now, so get your shoes on. You know, that kind of kind of um, step kind of thing, um, I find works really well. Um, I think when you're very young or very old, n- change is hard to navigate and it becomes more um, dramatic. It becomes more threatening. And mm-hmm. so one of the techniques that I do use is I put uh, I put things on ahead of time. And, you know, when your elder has short-term memory problems, which does happen, and, and can, you can sure. have great days and not great days, I find, like, my dad has an iPhone, which is really fun because I can put the Buffalo Bills on when he's out here in California. He can listen yeah. to his local news, you know, so it's well worth the phone. But the nice thing is there's reminders on there, and then I can send them a text and I can say, okay, you know, we've got X, Y, and Z. Don't worry, X, Y, we've got Y, we've got okay in 15 minutes. Um, so when you're out running your kids around and they need to be ready, cause there's nothing worse than going, everybody's got to get to the spelling bee at six o'clock and, mm-hmm. you know, grandpa's on the couch and my teenager's up there playing video games. Nobody's showered and cleaned. Nobody has eaten. Right. You run in like a bat out of hell from work. And then your 10 year old's like, what's for dinner? Right, right, right. <laughs> you want to just blow a gasket. So or I have we used found... to have the issue. We would be. We always had the issue that oh, Graham needs the bathroom, so we'd be ready to run out the door. We were. We had a meeting, a Girl Scout meeting, or whatever. You know, the kids had one of their needs, which of course is important. We as parents are there to help our children with all of those extracurricular things. And what would it be? Graham's in the bathroom. We need to wait for Graham in the bathroom. And Unfortunately, there's no way to rush that whole situation. You've got to deal with it. Um, and there it is isn't. so hard. 
Well, and one of my other tricks that I'm going to tell you is, is, and this is something that you institute the minute your family member comes to live with you in the household. Now, I've always done this because I have boys, but you have to use the bathroom before we go. Like, it's non-negotiable. And if grandpa has to take the boys to the bathroom, the boys have to take grandpa to the bathroom. Everybody goes to the bathroom before we get into the car because, as anyone will find, depends are great, but you can't depend on depends to catch That's everything. Sure. That's for and, sure. you know, for incontinence and things like that, it is so helpful in your trunk or in the back of your car, just pack an extra, you know, pair of sweatpants and socks and a pair of underpants and a t-shirt and just leave it there and a towel. And I keep that in my car all the time because especially in LA or on these country roads, like you can have an accident and, and, you know, oh, yeah. just like a little kid can have an accident an older adult can have an accident and we've gotten it down now rob where if if one of the boys or my dad has an accident then we simply pull over the side of the road i've got a towel there to clean it up or put the towel down here's a clean pair of pants and then i actually keep a grocery bag you know one of those disposable ones and i tie everything up in the back it goes in the trunk and off we go and it doesn't have to be a big drama exactly and i think once It happens the first time. It's a little humiliating. It's a little embarrassing for the person, for the elder, but it happens. And (laughs) the old expletive happens, you know, yes, compost happens. It definitely, you get it out of the way and you get all that embarrassment out of the way. and then it just becomes a part of life. You know, we just always know we had to make sure that we allowed enough time. And I was never too far away. My mom would call me if I was down at the grocery store and say, you need to come home right now. I need a change or whatever. And uh I just knew that that was going to always be a part of what I needed to do. You You kind of bank it in there. Well, and I found, too, kind of keeping track of accidents, like Mm -hmm. I really figured out quite a bit the first year. And I found that when there was like high fat foods and anything with acid or uh, um, like a, 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 what do you call it, an artificial sugar, I figured out those were the big things that caused, you know, big triggers. And so if we went and had a hamburger and French fries and a salad and Mm -hmm. a diet, at Pepsi, that was like, you know, fueling Krakatoa. I mean, (laughs) you know, you're going to have an explosion. You're going to have one Um, because as people age, their bowels are more sensitive to acids. There's acids in salad dressing like, you know, balsamic vinegar or, you know, any vinegar based or meats saturated in vinegar to be um, marinated. So you want to ask like, you know, what's in the marinade. But if you can stay away from the acids and the artificial sugars, I found for most of my friends caring for elderly parents because they told me they're like hey you know stay away from these things or make sure that they use the bathroom fully use the bathroom before you go after going out to dinner for a meal like that because you want to enjoy yourself and you want to have the whole family go you just need to kind of be aware of a few things right that's it 
Mom had some um, health issues, and of course, she did have some uh, physical issues. She was not very ambulatory, so even when she did feel the urge, it was difficult because we just couldn't physically get her there. And I, it, it was very difficult for her to get to the point where she was willing to wear Depends. And then, like you say, once she did wear Depends, it, it didn't mean that it was going to catch everything. But um, it, it is difficult, and you were lucky that you were able to make the decision but I think it is hard because some people want to see what uh, is available to them as far as home health aids um, sometimes it could be elder housing or nursing home which creates a whole other thing because they don't want to leave the home that they have lived in for the last 30 or 40 years um, and even if they are living in their own home that means that you're running back and forth to their home, whether it be to, to cook for them once a week or or make sure that the, the bathroom gets cleaned and, and all of those kinds of things. Um, and the other thing is to be on top of the, their medical situation because that means you're taking them now to the doctor. D- does your dad have uh, a doctor both in California and in New York? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, when you're older, yeah. you, you have to have some of these things. One of the things that, you know, and I, can, I can't really talk too much about putting somebody in a nursing home other than my grandparents, but I wasn't, you know, big involved in that. I was a, you know, 20-something was really mm-hmm. my mom and dad's. But um, I can talk, at, you know, at length about, you know, having uh, in-home care or having to care for your family member in your house. And one of the things that's really important, Rob, and this is probably the most important, thing that I will stress during this episode um, on caring for your elderly parents, you've got to give them something to do. And I'm not talking about, you know, like um, just, uh, you know, go out and volunteer somewhere or take them to the library to give them something to do. When they're in your household, the worst thing you can do is wait on them hand and foot. They need to participate. They need to feel that they're valuable. And you know what? If they're in a wheelchair, they can still cut green beans and potatoes. They can fold laundry. You know, if they're not ambulatory, you know, there's certain things that they can do. They can sit and read with your children. They can help with homework. They can, especially when they're little, they can listen. You know, they can have, you know, my dad sits down with my kids every day. He, he goes over their homework, you know, and then he talks to them. And then, you know, he makes their breakfast. And it's just toast and eggs. It's not like it's rocket science. But giving the elder something to do that makes them contribute to the household helps with their self-esteem and their self-worth and it makes it easier on you so why wouldn't you exactly and not only is it easier on you but that self that uh, feeling of purpose that I think is the most difficult well it's even difficult for my husband in that when once he retired he did he still has difficulty with that sense of purpose uh, and we all need that it doesn't matter if we are 50 60 or 90 we we need to have purpose in life so uh, giving them that opportunity is is not only the relief that you need but it does make for a happier household because then um i think everybody cooperates a little bit more is is more content um family conversations i think flow a little bit easier just because everybody sort of has their role in the family yeah 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 uh, we do have another break coming up, Sand. Uh, you know, I want to talk a little bit about that um, 
dividing up of, of time for ourselves because you know, it is so difficult. Uh, we, most of us still have work, we have jobs, but yet we, we have an additional dependent in our home. And, um, or even if it's not in our home, like I was saying, you've got to drive to their home to make sure that the bathroom is cleaned or, or whatnot. So let's talk a little bit about that on the other side of the break. Um, and there again, two different states have different, um, <clears throat> opportunities or, or services, I guess I should say, not opportunities. I know in New Hampshire, I had very little when my mom was, was uh, failing. So it is difficult to navigate that. And I guess you do need to just uh, check in with the resources in each of your, your communities. Today, my guest is Sandra Back, uh, brand, uh, internet brand strategist, author, radio host, business owner, and mother and daughter to some wonderful people at the Beck household. We'll be back in a moment with Sandra. Stay right where you are. Passing 50 will be right back after these messages. It's merging was growing up in Wisconsin, no matter how frigid it was outside, my Uncle Bob never seemed to get cold. He would come in from the snow wearing a t-shirt and remark how fresh it was outside. Then again, folks from Wisconsin are a pretty hardy bunch. As America's official dairy state, the cows have been known to give ice cream instead of milk when the temperatures drop. What's a word for a giant snowball that is formed by rolling a smaller one through a field of snow? Hug him a dog. Megla is an old Scots word meaning to trudge laboriously through the snow. And mufflements is an old Lancashire word for thick, warm, insulating clothes and gloves. Don't forget that you shouldn't try and send text messages if you're standing out in the cold. It can lead to typothermia. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Did you know that the average teenager drinks twice as much soda as milk? Since 1983, sugar consumption in the U.S. is up 28%. Why is that? There are several reasons, but one of the most common is soft drinks. 20-ounce beverages have become the norm, and it's not surprising to find that 43% of our sugar comes from drinks. Sugar is blamed for poor nutritional diets. USDA data shows that people whose diets are high in added sugar eat less calcium, fiber, iron, protein, and many other important nutrients. Fat-free foods are also a culprit. Since sugar is fat-free, many people tend to think it's okay to eat as much as they want. Remember that just because a food is fat-free does not mean that it's calorie-free also. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Did you get up and stretch during the break? Great! Now you're ready for the next part of our discussion on Passing 50. Hi, everyone. We're glad you're back with us on Passing 50. Today with my guest, Sandra Back, we're talking about the sandwich generation. We are both part of that sandwich generation. Both have experienced uh, having parents as well as children living in the household, which is a wonderful thing in many respects, but definitely a challenge in in uh, many, many ways because it does impact 
what you thought you were going to have ahead of you in your future, it may have changed drastically. I know it did for me. I, I wasn't planning that. I was planning on seeing my kids off to college and my husband and I enjoying that midlife. We were going to uh, go play golf and travel and, and so forth and so on. And all of a sudden, I realized that my future was not going to be what I thought it was going to be. And you do. You have to sort of be a little more resilient, a little more flexible. You have to turn the tide a little bit and then make it the best it can be and and probably better than you ever thought it would be. Uh, being a caregiver is a balancing act. Um, a caregiver needs to remember that while we're missing our original plan in life, your elder is very much missing their old life and independence. And I think that's the, the Sandra, the, the difference that is, as you were saying, you were putting down some, some house rules. It is a little difficult for that elder to not, to not feel childlike, to not be for us to not be condescending, for us to be able to say, this is just a house rule. It's not being condescending. It's just, this is what I need. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's a lot in the delivery and giving everybody their role. Like, you know, last night um, I had my hot tub turned on because, you know, it's cold and nasty out here and my arthritis and then my dad's arthritis and, you know, it helps the kids go to sleep. So I thought, okay, I'll fire up the hot tub. And, you know, so I go out and I scrub it and I clean it and I sanitize it and then I fill it with water and then I get it heated up, you know, and then in the middle of it, the kids are hungry. Well, I haven't made dinner. So I thought, well, it's Sunday night. We'll go out for pizza or I'll go out and get pizza. Well, I can't leave my dad in the hot tub unattended. I can't leave the kids around the pool unattended. Um, I can't, I didn't want to make everybody get out because I'm going to get the pizza. So to my oldest one, I'm like, okay, you're going to sit here and you're going to watch uh, grandpa in the hot tub. Grandpa, you're going to watch Zachary, make sure he doesn't fall in the pool, you know, and freeze to death in the middle of the night. And everybody had their role. And I'm like, and I'm going to go get the pizza. See, everybody had a role. So it wasn't like, you know, oh, Max, you got to watch grandpa in the hot tub so he doesn't drown. It's like everybody. He's got to have a role and a and a and a and a, 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 a role to play, and you know, giving people just like you give your kids age appropriate roles. My ten year old can collect his laundry, bring it down, sort it, and throw it in, and I can turn it on. You know, there there's certain things they can do. So you look at what what can your elder do in your household because the worst mistake you can make. And Rob, you saw me do this the first year. I tried yeah. to do everything. I tried to keep my house clean, the car clean, get everybody where they needed to go, entertain everybody, get the dogs walked, you know, make sure my dad went for a walk, you know, all these things. And I did, I almost, I almost killed myself. It is difficult. And I think that's the biggest thing to sort of get underway in your life is to juggle what needs to be uh, needs to be taken care of and find the best way whether it be to delegate it to the kids to delegate it to the elder to delegate maybe in your case you're lucky that you do have siblings but they're not near you in California to help but some people may have siblings that are fairly close by and uh, be able to say okay brother you come on Tuesdays and take him to go play cards because that Tuesday is your day to be able to um, go and do whatever things that you normally wouldn't be able to do in my case where I didn't have the sibs or, or any other resources for me and my kids were young enough that uh, 
my kids were, oh my goodness, 10 and a little bit younger than what your children are now, Sam. Um, what was helpful for me was that I had uh, some people from church that would come and visit. And then um, they would sit with mom so that I could go and do some of the things. For example, um, later, years later, when my daughter was married, I had to find a sitter for my mother so that I could go to my own daughter's wedding. <laughs> well, and that's, that's a very realistic scenario. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The one thing was, that I will say, too, is like, you know, enlist the aid of people to call. You know, my oldest brother calls my dad every day at four o'clock. My uncle Gary calls my dad every day at one o'clock. My sister calls Tuesdays and Thursdays, usually in the morning between nine and ten. You know, she has kids and a family, you know, and then my my brother that travels around the world calls my dad every uh, every Sunday at three o'clock, no matter where he is in the world. And I have traded on and off with my friends I've called their parents you know they've called my dad um, getting people involved you know even if it's just a quick phone call um, can really make a difference in somebody's day to combat the loneliness and it also gives the elder something to share and talk about very very true because I think that is they, they will sit at the table and of course everybody else's lives are so busy uh, and did, talking about everything but they don't have that correlation they don't they're not out in the in the daily lives of everybody else so they do feel isolated and other than the television my mom was glued to her television she would watch every news show she could possibly watch so she felt like she had some current affairs and read the paper every day uh she she was determined to do her puzzle every day because she felt that that was keeping her alert um and i, I was lucky because mom did not have much cognitive decline i mean everybody has some forgetfulness it was she was more physically uh, needy. I couldn't depend on her uh, to be in the kitchen, for example, because she she would drop things. She would um, she couldn't hold on to things very well. She was very limited physically, but that didn't mean that she couldn't uh, tell you what was on last night's news and give you a little political discussion <laughs> while she was at it. So. <laughs> Well, yeah, because other, yeah, and I I just tell people, like, it's amazing because, you know, so many people will say things like when my mom died, like, you know, oh, is there anything I can do to help? And, you know, a lot of us are like, oh, no, 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 I don't need anything. I don't need anything. Oh, hell you do. (laughs) (laughs) And one of the things that I found was, and I, you know, I, I, I used to have a hard time asking for things. I'm not shy anymore. I think that muscle is something you develop. And I don't, I don't say, please, would you like, you're not doing me this favor. I'm like, okay, I need you to, and I don't even say I need sometimes I'm like, you know, you need to call dad on Tuesdays and Thursdays, pick a time. And you know, this helps his mental health. It helps all of us. You need to do your part. And you just, Put it out there for the sibling, and if the sibling won't or the sibling forgets, you remind them or you send them a text. And, you know, the thing is you almost become a little bit like like a drill sergeant in your household. But when you have a toddler in your household, you're a drill sergeant. You're not letting him, you know, stick his tongue in electrical sockets and put his hand on the stove. You have rules, and you have, you know, 
you've got, you know, things to do that people can help. And I'm going to give two other good tips that I think for anyone sharing a household with an elder. Number one is, and the ones we have are made by Sony. It's the best hundred dollars you'll ever spend. Those walk around headphones that they can sit and watch TV all day long. They can watch the military channel. Harriers can land in your living room and the rest of the family won't go deaf. They also fit over hearing aids. They're like big noise canceling look like those seventies disco headphones. Yes. yes. Get a pair of those. It's worth every penny. A lot of times my dad can listen to television with these headphones blaring. He doesn't have to wear his ear um, hearing aids, which he doesn't like to wear, and he can enjoy his television. He can walk up, go to the bathroom, and I can enjoy the silence. That's number one. Number two, walking those hiking canes, the hiking poles. They look like ski poles. I bought one for myself. I bought one for the kids. And when we go to the park, we use our walking poles. And it's for those um, who who won't use a cane or a walker, they also fold up really small in your purse. And so you can throw them in your backpack. You can throw them in your purse. They're made for hiking. They're like, you know, like ski poles. They don't just, they don't have the round pokey thing on the bottom, but they're, right, you right. know, people use them out here in California when they're hiking. And when I saw they collapse, you know, they're like expandable. They collapse into like, they look like a big fat pencil, maybe eight inches long um, oh. with a handle on it. Yeah. You can bring those with you so that like if you go to an air show or you go to the mall and somebody's you know having a little balance having a little thing boom bam pop out that thing it'll function as a cane it doesn't look like a cane it doesn't it doesn't take up the room of a walker but it can help a little bit with you know moderate balance issues not great big ones um sure but it is something that they can lean on and they do collapse down to nothing so there's like another little one of my tricks rob that is perfect. And actually, years ago, when we were uh, first doing Military Mom, I can remember the producer in the booth saying, who's got the TV loud? I was actually two rooms away from my mother, and that's how loud her television was, because she was trying to listen to TV while I was on the air with you. And I, I remember that so distinctly. But um, it, it is true. And I think one of the things that is difficult is that we will have uh, to stretch ourselves. We get a little bit angry. We get a little frustrated that we may be deprived of some of the freedom we think. Then we're feeling guilty for that. And I think once we have relieved ourselves of that guilt to be able to assert what needs to be done in the household, manage the household that needs to be uh, managed and be able to help our elders with the care that they need, that's when the house definitely runs more smoothly. And like you say, whether it be getting the earphones so that the TV isn't so loud and impacting everybody else's life or or just knowing I had to get a folding uh, wheelchair for mom, I, I still couldn't get her in and out of the house easily. I had to have somebody help me transport her out. But just having a wheelchair that I could fold easily and then I could put the wheelchair in the trunk. I could get her in and out of the car. Um, and then being able to whip the wheelchair out of the trunk easily, that was what I needed um, because she was just physically impaired. Of course, toward the end, she was about 86 pounds, and I could pretty much lift her up out of out of anything anyway. But um, well, And those poles, Rob, are called trekking poles. I just looked trekking. them up online. Oh, good. Okay. A trekking pole. And it can help somebody get in and out of the back seat too because you've got well, some leverage.
leverage to lean up on. Yes, and this is difficult. I think that's when you don't realize, oh, my gosh, we have to allow another 15 minutes just because getting in and out of a car takes all that extra time. Uh, We've got a break, Sam. So on the other side, let's talk about some of those resources, Um, maybe in our community or maybe from social services. Let's talk about some of those. We'll be back on Passing 50 after this. Stay right where you are. Passing 50 will be right back after these messages. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Do you ever get nervous riding in an elevator because you're afraid the cable might snap? It's entered my mind more than once. According to Elevator World magazine, on the rare occasion a cable breaks, the car won't hunge plunge to the bottom. This is because elevators have as many as 10 cables holding them up, each capable of supporting a fully loaded car. Sometimes I feel a little mischievous in elevators. Next time you're feeling like a rapscallion, try one of these little jokes. When there's only one other person in the elevator, tap them on the shoulder and then pretend it wasn't you. Push one of the buttons and pretend it gave you a shock. Or maybe start a sing-along. What's a word for a person who thinks he's funny but no one else does? Vitzel souped. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Want more information or hear other shows from Passing 50? Check out our info page on beckmultimedia.com or our website, passing 50 now, let's get back to our discussion on Hi, everyone. This is Robin Boyd with you today. And my guest is Sandra Beck, uh, internet brand strategist, radio host, author, um, company owner, and sandwich generation uh, person or <laughs> uh, uh, candidate, uh, whatever, however we want to categorize ourselves. We are definitely in that sandwich generation. And during the break, Sam, we were talking about, um, uh, for, for me, it's been a number of years since mom is gone, but I had her for almost 20 years. You are five years into, uh, caring for your dad and having kids at home. And, uh, your dad is still, in very good health, uh, you know, we all have our issues, but he is in very good health. So chances are, um, he's going to be with you for quite a bit to help you. And, uh, and I, I think the, the experience for the children really is important. I know, uh, the other day, Emily and I, my daughter Emily and I were somewhere, um, 
and when she was young, I know that there were times that she was jealous of Graham, not of Graham personally, but jealous because I had to give my time to Graham instead of to her. And as a little girl, I think there were times that she was sad that I wasn't doing the the overnight with her that the other moms were doing, or I wasn't able to just take her shopping at a whim um, because I had to be home with Graham. The other day we were driving home from a bridal sh- uh, baby shower from for the family, and she was saying she wanted a little V tattoo. And I said, really, a V? And she said the way Graham used to make her V, because her name was Virginia, she wanted just a tiny little V on the inside of her wrist. And I nearly started to cry, Sam, because I was like, oh, my gosh, the, the connection that my daughter had with my mother would never have been that that strong a bond had we not all lived together. Oh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely, Rob. I mean, you know, a lot of the hard feelings have to be called out. Like this is where I become the drill sergeant again in the family. Um, you need to announce them. You need to say them. You need to own them. And then you need to let your kids let them go. And what that looks like, um, for example, like um, my son the other day said, oh, you know, all the other parents were taking their kids to this fancy restaurant after the Science Olympiad. Well, we couldn't. We had to go home uh-huh. and get Grandpa and Max. And quite frankly, it's out of my budget as a single mom. And so Zach looked at me in front of all the parents and he's like, well, why can't we go? And I just, I looked at him and you know, everybody was listening. And I said, look, look, Zach, I said, I'm a single mom. It's, it's too expensive um, for, for what I can afford right now. And we have to go home and, and take care of grandpa. You know, it's been four hours and we've got to pick up your brother. And I'm sorry that you can't do these things with your friends, but that's the way it is. And he just looked at me and he goes, okay. Because there wasn't any, like, embarrassment or crying. I just stated it out. And then one of the moms came up to me when we were walking to the car, and she goes, oh, my God. She goes, you were so brave. And I said, I'm not brave. I said, it's the fairest, kindest thing you can do to just be upfront with your children, because if you're ashamed, they're going to pick up on your shame. She's And she's like, you know, I've been a single mom for a year. I have. And I said, oh, my gosh, really? She goes, oh, no, we didn't tell anybody their dad left. We didn't tell anybody. And I'm like, you know, your shame cannot become their shame you just state it you own it and then everybody can move on and when you state it like that rob just as a matter of fact with no emotion you know you're not teaching your kids this is good bad or indifferent it just is is that is it and it's just the way you're presenting it to the kids and i think being honest with the kids is so important because we are direct with them we're saying all right this has to happen this has to happen this has to happen what do you think we should do and there would be times that i would say to the kids if they started whining about something i would say well all right here is what our situation is let's work this out what do you think do you have another option do you have another alternative and oftentimes we would you know kind of they they would assess that this was the best uh way to handle whatever whether it be a a trip or a drive or you know whatever but I, i think so many times it is difficult to not only realize what you have to do inside the home as and manage your home 
but to know what there is externally. Are there resources for your elder, uh, depending on their situation? Are there other uh, resources that you can tap into. And I don't know how California is. I know social services is very limited um, in New Hampshire. For example, when mom was home with me and just had ambulatory issues, I couldn't get support for her because it wasn't um, an immediate uh, like an injury. When she broke her collarbone, though, I had all kinds of services come, and she she had a parade of of resources coming in. But it had been ten years that I had absolutely no support, um, at least from the state. Well, I think most families today just have to be prepared to suck it up. You know, I have seen my friends try to get services, and services are are sometimes more trouble than they're worth. You know, whether the person's stealing, whether they're, you know, on their phone the whole time, not attending to your parent. I mean, you know, we've all heard these horror stories. So if somebody can help you, it's a bonus. If not, you know, you can do this and you will get through it. The one thing I will say is you have to be really clear clear with the people that are are kind of helping you and I know this sounds really rude but I had to sit my girlfriends down now they're great Rob they really are they will come over and sit with my dad if I have to go to New York for work the kids have to go over to their dads or they can you know my dad can watch them you know after school and you know for night but you know not for like two weeks at a time but if I have to travel for work And, you know, my friends, God bless them, like for my dad's 80th birthday, we got enough junk food to fuel the space shuttle to the moon and back like 10 times. You know, because what do you give somebody who's 80 years old? You give them chocolate, you give them peanuts, you give them candy covered peanuts, you give them lollipops, you give them, you know, Fanny Farmer chocolates, you give them C's candy. I mean, we got so much stuff, Rob. And I'm like, you know... I had to sit my girlfriends down because they were calling me mean old Sam because I was limiting the potato chips, limiting, because when you look at quality of life, the, mm-hmm. these, what a lot of people will tell you is, oh, he's old. He can eat what he wants. No, he can't. Because when he eats what he wants, we have accidents. When he eats what he wants, his blood sugar goes up, his behavior goes haywire. He thinks he's dying. He could go into sugar shock. I mean, there's so many things that could happen. So, no, he can't eat what he wants. And this is where you kind of got to put on your big girl pants and say, I'm in charge of his health. I'm in charge of the meds. I'm in charge of his health. You know, as you know, no one's going to die because they didn't eat seven cupcakes. You know, can he have a cupcake? Yes. But when you give me a sheet cake to celebrate Valentine's Day because you want to show my dad love, I appreciate it. But no. And so you've got to be really clear because most people, and you probably get this too, Rob, this is my soapbox, but most people have never had to care for an elderly person day in and day out. Right. And so they don't understand what, you know, giving somebody, you know, you come over and you're going to sit with my dad for a while, which is great. I appreciate it. And then you fill them up on junk food. You fill them up on sugar. You fill them up on soda and you all have a good time. But then you go home and the next morning I wake up with somebody whose blood sugar is in danger zone. And right. so, right. Um, and this is very typical or they have a reaction to the food, the takeout that was brought in from the Thai place that you love. And I don't know what's full of it and what it could react and make them sick. And these are all loving gestures, but we can love someone 
literally to death. And when my dad goes back with certain family members, they wait on him hand and foot and he doesn't move. And he sits in the chair and it's always the same thing, Rob. When he comes to California in the fall, he walks like he's a hundred years old. When he leaves, he's carrying his own luggage and smiling and happy. And that's because his blood sugar is stable. And that's because he's walked every day, um, like the dogs. Yeah. Well, just like we do for our children, if, if we are going away, we often have a little list, things that uh, are can-do, can't-do lists. Um, we do it for our elders as well. I did the same. Um, and I have to say, the organization that I learned when I was going through my chemotherapy for my cancer was kind of what I ended up doing with my mom. I had a chart. And if somebody said, yes, oh, let me know what I can do, I'll be glad to help. I would write that down. I would say, okay, on Tuesday, I would like you, if you wanted to cook for us, that's great. These are the meals that my mom can eat. If they wanted to come and sit with my mother, I would say, great. I would love that. I can then go to, go to a meeting on Tuesday afternoon. But these were the things that I would set uh, sort of on my can-do, can't-do. Yes, please sit and visit with her, play cards with her. Yes, she can have tea. She can have these cookies. Please don't offered to throw a load of laundry in because chances are I had a a poopy basket down there that I really wanted to deal with myself. I didn't want to have somebody else have to deal with it. So these were the things that I, I was very explicit, but I did take people up on their offer and whether or not I had a home health aide coming, because as I said, after she uh, had a chronic illness or injury, I had services. But prior to that, I was dependent on um, local people. So many times your town's home health, uh, um, family family services department, whatever it's called in your community. Uh, for example, our Salvation Army division had people that would just come and sit and talk. Our church had uh, a little mission that they would send somebody they would give you a call. We're, we have some time tomorrow afternoon. Can we come and visit? Maybe it's to sit and watch a soap opera together. And maybe it's to sit and watch Lawrence Welk together. Um, those are the things that, yes, you take advantage of. Well, and when somebody asked me recently, they're like, Sam, you look really tired. You look really beat. Actually, she said I looked like I was dying. And she's like, what can I do to help you? And you know what I did? I said, you know what? You can help me with the laundry. We came to my house. We stripped all the beds, got all the towels, collected all the laundry, put it in my minivan. We went to the laundromat. Even though I have laundry in my house, we went to the laundromat. We knocked that bad boy out. She helped me fold, came back. We did all the beds. We got everything done within like three hours. That extra pair of hands was huge. She was happy. I was happy. And we all won. Mm. Well, I'm happy, Sandra, because we had an amazing hour. This is delightful to chat with you, Sandra Beck. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you, everybody. And don't be afraid to bring your parent into your household. With a little bit of adjustment, it can be an amazing thing. Amazing. And San, thank, I know your family thanks you, but I thank you. Thank you for being my friend and listening and being there to help me through all of the times that I had with my mom. And, uh, I look forward to, uh, sharing more times with you and your dad. Join us again soon on Passing 50. We're glad you spent this time with us today. Relax. Passing 50 isn't so bad. And every year after can be great too. You're in good company. 
Passing 50 is a production of Beck Multimedia. Join us again for another great discussion right here on Passing 50.